0: Welcome to season two of the First Prez podcast. Last season was titled Gathered and Sent. It was all about our purpose and mission, being both gathered as the church to equip and encourage one another and sent to be the church in our neighborhoods, schools, and workplaces. This season, we're focusing on the five values that guide all of our decisions as a church. We believe that we are called to be disciple-making disciples of Jesus, who are biblically literate, spiritually formed, mission-focused, and gospel-fluent. So welcome to Season 2, Values and Direction.
1: Hello, church family, and welcome to this, our most recent version of online worship at First Pres. I suspect that many of you, as for many of us at the church office The charm of these online worship services, the Zoom meetings, phone and text, has largely lost its appeal. We are all eagerly awaiting planning for gradual reopening of the church. It's clear that as we begin reopening, things will be not quite the same for a long time. But even the hope of resuming any aspects of our church family community is very appealing. Stay tuned for more information about upcoming reopening events. Today is an important celebration in our church calendar. Pentecost is an old Jewish holiday based on the first harvest of the spring planting season. It always fell seven weeks after Passover, and so it is called the Festival of Weeks or the Week of Weeks. The Pentecost celebration was the reason that Peter and the new first Jewish Christians were gathered in Jerusalem. They were celebrating this ancient holiday, but God used it for a new purpose. As the people were all gathered in one place, God did what Jesus had promised. The Holy Spirit descended upon these new Christians and gave them a power they had not had before. It is sometimes called the birthday of the church. And so on this day, we would often share cake and wear red to remember the flames of the Holy Spirit descending from heaven on this special holiday. The pandemic has disrupted so much of our daily lives that it is a good thing to remember the things that do not change including the observance of a church celebration. So, happy Pentecost. Summer vacations and mission trips and activities have largely been scrapped, and now we must think rather urgently about how to keep ourselves busy this summer. Some things have been taken away, but we've been drawn to learn new ways of being a community. First Pres, our church, has no urgent need to reopen because it never closed. Each week, hundreds of us have remained connected via phone, text, video worship, and internet Zoom meetings. And yet, coming home to our church sure seems to be a delightful ambition. It's been interesting to watch as this pandemic has unfolded. The intense media coverage, the plethora of experts offering an opinion, the wide range of political viewpoints expressed, and the general chaos that has ensued in the wake of the infection. Words like, The biggest epidemic of our lifetime, the most severe impact economically in a century, a defining moment for our generations. All this seems to imply that we are experiencing perhaps a once-in-all history event, perhaps never previously experienced. There is no question that this illness has invaded our lives, our families, and our communities in a way that most of us cannot ever recall happening before. And indeed, we are experiencing it in a new way because of our ubiquitous news coverage and abundance of ideas and opinions. But my friends, all of this has happened many times before and all of it will happen many times again. Although this pandemic has unique features, it is not unique in history. Previous infections outbreaks over the centuries have been just as devastating or perhaps even more so. Over the centuries, human communities have been devastated many times, albeit not with the level of news coverage and instantaneous communication with which we are experiencing this outbreak. The ancient Hebrews, whose history we learn from the Old Testament, were not immune to illness and war and famine and even exile. Many of the Psalms address how God moved in the lives of his people during the famines and disasters and plagues. Listen to the words of the psalmist as he writes in Psalm 66, which was written looking back on some disaster from ancient history. Bless, O God, our peoples. Give Him a thunderous welcome. Didn't He set us on the road to life? Didn't He keep us out of the ditch? He trained us first. He passed us like silver through refining fires. He brought us into hard, scrabble country, pushed us to our very limit, road-tested us inside and out, took us to hell and back. Finally, he brought us to this well-watered place. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. But he most surely did listen. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. Blessed be God. He didn't turn a deaf ear. He stayed with me, loyal in his love. We have indeed been placed on this road to life. And during this pandemic, we have indeed been passed through refining fire like silver. God did indeed bring us through hard scrabble country and pushed us to our very limit. It does seem that COVID has road tested us inside and out and taken us to hell and back. The question for us today is when this pandemic is over, how will we look back on the experience? Will we be able to acknowledge how low we got and how present God was throughout it all? Will we be able to say with confidence, That finally God does bring us to a well-watered place. And will there come a time when we will say to our friends, listen to what God did for me. He listened to my prayer. He came on the double when he heard me. He stayed with me loyal in his love. Friends, all of this has happened many times before. All of it will happen many times again. The question is, what do we do with it this time? As the church staff has met to work to discern a way forward in our healing, Chad has been speaking of our experiences in terms of the Jewish exile, a time in our faith family history when all of Israel was wiped out, homes and the temple in Jerusalem were destroyed, crops burned, families uprooted, and taken forcibly to Babylon to live in exile for a generation. Then they returned slowly and in phases, much like we are anticipating our return to our temple. It was a painful time, but lessons were learned. Experiences were experienced. Lives were changed, sometimes in ways that could never have been anticipated. But the experience colored not only the history of the nation, but also the individual perspectives of the people. It gave them insights into God's providence, His faithfulness, His provision for His people. I think we all look forward to a time when we can look back on these events, remembering not only the pain, but also being able to see how God has come with us so far. Will we be able to say, like the psalmist, that God did hear our prayers, that he stayed with us, loyal in his love? And how might we do that? Today, we continue in our ongoing exploration of the mission of our church. For the last several weeks, we've been examining during the sermons, the basic principles upon which our session has determined we should be guided in all that we do. We go back to the words of the Great Commission, which we are using in our church as a guide for what we are to be about. Matthew 28:19 reads, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So here is where we have come today. We've determined in our church that our strategy for following the Great Commission is to focus on several aspects of Christian life. That we've agreed and believed will equip us to be able to fulfill that commission. You've been hearing about these values for the last several months. Chad initially talked to us several weeks ago about becoming biblically literate. That is, understanding the Bible stories to give us a worldview. A lens through which to understand who God is and who we are. It turns out that every human being has questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Every human being also develops their own worldview, their own answers to these questions, sometimes in a healthy and coherent manner, sometimes in an unhealthy and destructive manner. Biblical literacy gives us the framework, the foundation on which to answer these questions, which then gives us a solid launching pad from which we may live our lives. After biblical literacy, we then turned our attention to spiritual formation, Many of you have noticed that our new pastor, Sabrina Hergert, has committed much of her time here to developing strategies and skills of spiritual formation. We have heard that biblical literacy is developed in our mind and flows from our head. Then spiritual formation, spiritual maturity is the development of our heart from which we can understand more deeply and more powerfully the truths of the biblical word. Chad commented last week what a long distance there is between the knowledge of our head and the spirit of our heart. And yet, it is a distance that must be bridged for us to grow in our faith. And so, today, we move on to the third element of our church focus. Today, we discuss the third of our values, what we call missional living. If biblical knowledge is our head and spiritual formation is in our heart, then missional living living is expressed through our hands and our feet and our voices. Missional living is the translation of our biblical worldview and spiritual understanding into the nuts and bolts of life. Missional living is, as Chad described it before, the putting on of flesh to the frame of our faith. If we don't devote some time to developing our missional life, there's a danger. The danger is that in becoming so biblically literate and so spiritually mature that we don't actually move. St. Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians that Chad spoke about last week, described the problem. We can know all things. We can study Scripture. We can visit every holy site. We can speak in tongues. We can teach all we know. But if we don't translate that into love that other people can see and feel, we've wasted our time. We're just making noise, we're simply entertaining ourselves. St. Paul, in his letters to the churches that he had founded and loved so well, talks in several verses about becoming missionally focused. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul instructs his friends at the church of Colossus how to live a missional life. Listen, that by faith we might hear God's word for us today. Paul writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and pray for us also that God may open to us a door For the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In these verses, we can see how Paul distills the mission of life down to basically two attributes. We must conduct ourselves wisely to people outside the faith, becoming models of Christ-like behavior, especially to those who are not believers. And we're also called to be agents of faith, gracious in our work, seasoned in our labor, doing the work of Christ with our hands and feet and voices. We have all of us, you and I, been gifted with strengths and talents education, skills, which have made each of us uniquely capable of being God's agents and models in our world. This is missional living. There's another danger in speaking about missional living in that we sometimes compartmentalize our mission work into specific activities that we do only certain times of the year, in certain seasons. We go on summer mission trips, or we pack Christmas seafarers boxes, or we work at VBS, or we help with the living nativity. These events are valuable because they focus our missional living at different times of the church year, but missional living is not seasonal or intermittent. We must be careful not to make these exclusive moments for missions. Every day, every conversation, every interaction with another person offers an opportunity to be Christ to them. Every day, every interaction with people is a chance to move our faith from our head biblical knowledge to our spiritual heart and into the hands and feet and voices with which we can serve people. Sometimes this missional living is radical. Actually, most of the time, missional living is radical. Most of Jesus' life was radical. Most of what Jesus did startled the people, confused the leaders, but it inspired his followers and it changed lives. Much of our missional living will seem radical, countercultural are just downright strange and inexplicable to the people of our world. So what does this missional life look like? Being models of Christ and agents for His work in this world will often require sacrifice. I loved how Beth explained sacrifice in the children's message last week, how true sacrificial living requires giving up not just what we don't need, but that which we would like to keep in order to benefit others. Missional living means putting yourself last. Missional living means serving as Christ's hands and feet to people with whom we do not agree or with whom we may not even be attracted. The first Christians, the beginning of whose story we hear about in the Pentecost story, they did not always agree on everything. They fought and they argued. But what if we, like Christ, saw those people with whom we disagree as frightened and hurt, sometimes paralyzed by fear? We can see this because Christ did that for us. He met us where we were, broken, disobedient, hurt, and mistrustful. Missional living looks at wearing a mask to go shopping this week. Missional living does not ask if masks are an infringement on my rights or a sign of my fear. Missional living means understanding how wearing my mask is a sacrifice I make for the peace and comfort of someone else. Wearing my mask is sacrificial giving to someone else. And that someone else is worthy of my sacrificing my rights. Sacrificial giving means giving something away that you value. And Christian, that's about you and that's about me. This is what should motivate us. That is the daily reality of Christian life. Without exception, if you are a believer today, you are a missional person. You can't help it. Someone told you the gospel, now you are called to share the gospel in many and varied ways. As we think about our spheres of influence, the people that we can practically consider as our mission doors, where we might be models and agents of God, I would like you to consider three classes of people. One class we might call scenery people. Scenery people are people who just kind of flash by us each day. They're in the background of our lives. We see them, we know who they are, but we really have very little contact with them. And we have never paused to get to know them or to hear their stories. We're sometimes surprised later on to discover that they are interesting people, that we share some part of our lives with them that we never considered before. It's easy to miss scenery, people. They fly by quickly. And if we don't pause to note them, we will never know them. Another person type I would like you to be introduced today is machinery people. Machinery people are people who do work for us or who do work with us. They serve some function in our life. They provide some skill, some product. They may prepare our coffee, deliver our mail, fix our cars, teach our children. We know them, but only in the context of them serving us and providing for us in some fashion. We know their names and faces, but we rarely know their stories. The last group I would like to introduce you to are people we might call ministry doors. People on whom we might become missionally focused. Sometimes these ministry door people are easily identified. God seems to place them directly in our paths. We have very easy access to their stories. We share experiences, we share mutual interests. It may be quite simple to get to know these folks and to begin our shared faith lives together. The challenge is to become aware of the scenery and the machinery people in our lives, to become aware that God may have placed them in our path as well, and that all is missing is that we have yet to ask them questions, understand their stories, appreciate the lives that they are living. We may need to change them from scenery people and machinery people into ministry doors. Here's a strange fact. The more scenery and machinery people that we have in our lives, The more miserable we will be, the more you focus on what you need, what you love to do, how you can be served, that which entertains you most vividly, the more miserable you will be. It's paradoxical. It seems that the more we look out for number one, the more content and happy we should be. But that's actually not the case. The fewer people that are the scenery and machinery people in our life, and the more people you perceive as God's gift to you for ministry— the more full and abundant your life will be. Although we may be wildly successful, hands and feet and voices to the nations, it is God who changes hearts, who softens angers, who creates healing, who promotes joy to His people. We are the instruments of God's symphony. He is the conductor. We may be very biblically literate, we may be intentionally spiritually formed, but we don't transform hearts. That is above our pay grade. This is good news because it takes pressure off of us for the success or failure of our particular messages of reconciliation. The COVID pandemic has suddenly shifted our life focus and attention. Some of the scenery people and machinery people that we are so accustomed to experiencing in our lives have disappeared. And at the same moment, we have in some cases been introduced to new mission doors in our lives. People perhaps we've not known well or connected well to in the past. I would suggest to you that this is a moment that we might use to reevaluate who we are here to minister to. Our Scent groups, launched only last week, are already opening doors to new connections, new friendships, new life bonds. New ministry options will open up for us this summer with local and city missions. My friends, I promise you that there will come a time when this epidemic is over. We will enter a phase of looking back and trying to make sense of this strange chapter of our history. Paul would say, be watchful. God may be opening doors for you. I suggest to you that if your focus on the COVID pandemic has been on the scenery, that is, the faces in the news, the political figures' speeches, the images of nose swabs and intensive care units, then most of your memories will be of the scenery. If your recollection of this time focuses on who were the machines that served you, how fast you got your hair done, how quickly your favorite restaurant reopened, or which stores delivered your groceries, then most of your memories will be of the machinery people. But if, as Paul suggests, you conduct yourselves wisely, making the most of this time, your memories can be of the ministry doors that were opened to you, of people and places that you visited that you never encountered before, and the changes in your life and theirs that ensued. Mission doors are opening. They are always opening, and no less so in a time such as this. What would it be like after the COVID pandemic? We could sing a song like the psalmist in Psalm 66. Perhaps our version of Psalm 66 might go something like this. Bless our God, everyone. First, he trained us with our biblical knowledge. Then he formed our hearts and then he put us to work. It was hard, a tough road, pushed to our limits, but he brought it to an end. God didn't fail me then. He stayed with me. He was faithful. He loved me through it all. Let's pray. Father God, we know that it is the way of this broken world that there would be illness and suffering and economic downturns. We also know that you have promised never to leave us, that there is nothing in this life that can separate your love from us. And so we claim that promise and trust that as we study your word and search our hearts and keep our eyes open for ministry doors, that you will lead us through this pandemic chapter to a time of peace and healing thank you for blessing us our church and our community as you always do we lift all this in the name of him who came to save us the Christ Jesus and all God's people in one voice said Amen
0: Thanks for listening You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org Our services are available on our website. You can also follow us on Facebook and find us on Instagram at FPC underscore Kingwood. We'll see you next time.